People of Note on Fine Music Radio is proudly brought to you each week at this time by Peter Turin Productions. This is Rodney Trudgeon welcoming you to this week's edition of People of Note here on Fine Music Radio. And as you probably know, Peter Turin's production of the Mel Brooks musical The Producers has opened at the Theatre on the Bay with an all-star cast led by Alan Committee, there's Earl Gregory, Terence Bridget, and a number of others. The show is directed by Joe Pitcher, who's directed major productions for the Royal Shakespeare Company, for example, and has also choreographed shows such as Guys and Dolls, My Fair Lady, High Society. And prior to becoming a director, Joe trained as an actor at the Bristol Old Vic Theatre School. He also is the co-creator of Game of Fame, which apparently has reached the top Amazon.co.uk's best-selling board game list for the past three Christmases. Joe, it's a great pleasure to welcome you here to Fine Music Radio. It's a pleasure to be here. Apparently not your first visit. To Cape Town? No, mm. I've been. Uh, this is my third visit to Cape Town. Um, yeah, I was first here in 2018 uh, in my capacity as associate director on Matilda the Musical. I came here to uh, set up the international tour of Matilda the Musical, uh, and I was here for about three months before we then went to uh, Joburg and opened the show. And yeah, I fell in love with Cape Town uh, and and the people. I have to say, the the actors. And their kind of passion for their craft. Yes, exactly. Uh, so it's wonderful to be back. Yeah. And also the Theatre on the Bay, where the show is on, is such a beautiful setting, really, isn't it? It's gorgeous. I mean, yeah, you couldn't ask for a better setting, could you? And no. uh, actually on the bay. I mean, you look out and there's the beach and there's the sea. And, you know, it's, it's, it's wonderful to be there. And particularly at this time of year, you know, with the, with the, with the weather and the sun, which is very different to the UK <laughs> yes, at this time of year. Especially at the moment <laughs> with that storm blowing across. Absolutely. All yeah. the flights are grounded and, you know, people can't yeah. get anywhere into the UK at the moment. But I know you've been working very hard up to the opening of the producers this mm-hmm. week, this last week. Um, have you had much of a time to look around Cape Town and relax? Not not so much this time, to be <laughs> honest. <laughs> um, I'm taking a little break for a couple of days. I'm going to Stellenbosch for a couple of days once we've officially opened this evening. But no, I haven't had a lot of um, tourism time this time. I did quite a lot of that the first time I was here. And, and one of the things about the people here, which... Uh, I discovered is their amazing hosts. The local team of Matilda made me feel so welcome and made sure that I experienced um, a lot of what Cape Town had to offer, which was wonderful. You're talking about Matilda. This is the Peter Turin production that is on a world tour as we speak, isn't it? And you're still involved with that. Aren't yes. you going back to that now? I am, yeah. So it's, as soon as I leave Cape Town, I'm going to do um, a week of rehearsals in London with some new cast members. Uh, and then I'm flying out to Manila to tech them into the show and open open the new cast yeah it must be here you are smiling sort of sweetly it must be so <laughs> is it not difficult keeping the freshness when a show runs as long as that you know we who have seen matilda last year the beginning of last year whenever it was um have kind of moved on to the next big thing mm. whereas you need to go back and every time it opens there needs to be the same vibe doesn't there and Absolutely. The same enthusiasm i think you're right in that, you know, when you work on a show for an extended period, I've, I've worked on Matilda for over five years now, um, and there is a challenge there in terms of keeping it fresh. 
but I think the source material for that particular show, and I have to say, I don't work on it full time. You know, I I dip in and out, yes, which yes. which helps me kind of keep a um, a freshness to my approach uh, to directing the show. Um, but I think with that material, what's wonderful is there are parameters, but whoever's going into the show, there is a freedom to kind of help them. Uh, discover it anew and allow them to play the roles uh, in their own way. You know, uh, Phil Matthew Waters, who's the original director of the show, always talks about the actors filling the roles as opposed to us kind of imposing too much upon them, which helps us kind of, you know, rediscover it each time we, we put it on, really. Gosh, that's interesting. Maybe just tell me, because we don't know what happens when these shows tour, when it's about to open, like in Manila, mm-hmm. you go out to Manila, and do you have a sort of a week with the cast to so so this time? Up? Yeah, so this time it's we're not doing a major cast change this time. There's uh, there's a new Miss Trunchbull, but it's someone who's already played the role in London, um, and then there are a few new ensemble members, and so we've they're already in rehearsals. They started rehearsals yesterday in London with some other members of the team, and then I'm going to join them next Monday and rehearse with them in a, in a rehearsal studio in London. Then we all fly out to Manila and we have a week more of rehearsals to kind of integrate them with the current company before we then re-tech the show. Obviously they haven't up until that point, they've, they've done it in a quite a sterile atmosphere in a rehearsal room. You know, there's the, they haven't had any of the uh, set or the costumes or the sound any of those added elements so then it's about putting all of that in so they feel comfortable and at home on on the stage and then uh, and and then they'll open yeah and then it's the work is ongoing actually once once they've opened there's a especially with the show there's a constant kind of dialogue back and forth about how we can keep keep it fresh keep it moving forward and keep the performances um, evolving really you know so that they don't ever get stale now this is a world tour and it's been going now for over a year I should think is that that's right, right yeah when I mean, will it end uh, well who it. knows I mean this is the thing I, 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 I don't actually know the answer to that question because they keep on adding more dates and uh, uh, so who knows and there's talk of various local language versions going out you know in China and mm-hmm. uh, other places so I, I, uh, I think at the moment it's it's ongoing for the foreseeable future. And you're all right with that, are you? Oh, well, I suppose yeah, you I, have a job. That's it's a job, thing. and I, I mean, and and it's a job that I feel very passionately about because, as I say, I love, I still love the show, even though I've worked on it for a long time. Um, I think I wouldn't be able to work on every show for this amount of time, but I do have a um, a kind of passion and a belief in the material, which helps me kind mm. of um, stay interested. And yes. stay inspired, really. Gosh, and it did very well here in Cape Town. I remember enjoying it hugely. Yes, I'm and glad. you're you're based in you live in London, don't you? John? I live in London. Yes, so I live in uh, in Wimbledon. Um, I've lived there for wow about eighteen years now. Oh, gosh. Um, okay. Yeah, uh, and uh, before that, various other parts of London. When I uh, I moved to London when I was eighteen. Yeah. Okay, I want to find out all about the producers now, which is why okay. you're here. Yes. But first of all, we're going to take a little break for your first piece of music. What Excellent. have you brought along with you? So my first piece of music is uh, You Were Meant For Me from uh, Singing In The Rain. And the reason, well, there are several reasons, really, I've chosen this particular piece of music. Um, uh, one, I think it, it's sort of beautiful in its simplicity and its honesty, This 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 particular piece. But more personally, 20 years ago, uh, last Christmas, so in 2019, I did my first big 
job as a performer, which was Singing in the Rain. Um, it was the West Yorkshire Playhouse production that subsequently transferred to the Royal National Theatre in London, Olivier-nominated production. And it's only really in retrospect that I look back on that production and think, wow, that was my first gig. <laughs> you know, like, I, I, I didn't realise at the time what a big deal it was. But also then I kind of came full circle because uh, the Christmas just gone, I was asked by Sally Hughes of the Millet Sonning, which is a theatre that I direct at a lot, to kind of take a look at Singing in the Rain uh, in a in a more intimate version of the show. And I, I originally I sort of resisted the idea because I've always felt that Singing in the Rain needs to be big on budget and big on scale, that it's perhaps more spectacle than substance. But I thought, you know what, I'll give it a, a look and see if I can make this work. And so I got very involved with research into that time period and 1927 and discovered actually there is more dramatic texture. And I think what I was proud of it in the production that I directed is that we did manage to find because when you're doing these shows in a more intimate uh, setting it's important that you find dramatic texture as well as spectacle and I was proud of the fact that I think we did find that in the piece and one one other reason uh, the last reason before I let you play the <laughs> before I let you play the song is that uh, this was my nana and granddad's song so I remember the year before I was cast in singing in the rain my granddad sadly passed away um, and myself and my nana, before I knew that I'd been cast in, in, in the show, sat and listened to the vinyl LP of Singing in the Rain, and we both listened to this song with tears in our eyes, remembering my granddad. a song you came along I've laid awake the whole night through if I but dared to think you cared this is what I'd say to you you
Singing in the Rain, You Were Meant for Me. That's Gene Kelly that we know so well associated with the film, Joe, of um, Singing in the Rain. Joe Pitcher is my guest on People of Note this week, brought to you by Peter Doreen Productions. And Peter Doreen's production of The Producers has opened at the Theatre on the Bay. Joe is the director. And I think we must start talking about (laughs) The Producers now. (laughs) And I have to say that everyone that I speak to and everyone who's seen the film talks about it being very funny. Mm. So tell me a little bit about your association with this and how you felt when you were asked to direct something like this. Um, Well, my association with it prior to this was not particularly kind of strong. I mean, I'd seen the 1967 original movie a long time ago, and I did see the musical when it was in London at the Theatre Royal Drury Lane, um, Nathan Lane recreating his, his role there. And and had thoroughly enjoyed it, but I was by no means a super fan, you know. I uh, uh, <laughs> and I knew some of the other Mel Brooks movies uh, uh, as well. I'd seen kind of Young Frankenstein and Blazing Saddles, but again, you know, sort of distant memories rather than anything uh, too concrete. Um, and I was thrilled to be asked to direct it because it is something slightly different in terms of of, of the the things that the shows that I've directed in in recent years um it's a very kind of carefully crafted very funny uh bombastic um slightly surreal comedy um uh, with great songs and it's interesting because a lot of the time I look at I approach pieces and I think how can we say something new with this piece how can we uh, uh, you know a lot of the things that I've directed are Music, older musicals and and I think the only reason to do them is if you can bring something fresh to them. Uh, this was a slightly different beast in that it's still in recent memory the original production and it's kind of a perfect example of what it is. You don't want to mess too much with what's there because it's it's fairly tight and it's fairly prescriptive actually in its context and I think um, you have to embrace the style of this piece. It's big, it's bold, it's brash and you can't get away from that really. <laughs> and also um, it is uh it's a story, isn't it, of producers trying to create a flop That's and right, then get yes. paid out with the money. Exactly. And it turns into a huge hit for them. Exactly. But they also, well, there are also tricky things in like springtime for Hitler, which you almost think might cause people to run screaming into the street. But apparently in the show, it works. Yes. I mean, I think, you know, what Mel Brooks is brilliant at is taking very dark material matter and stripping it of its power uh, through satire, you know, and and that's very much what happens with Springtime for Hitler, which, um, without giving too much away, is uh, one of my choices of songs that's coming up later <laughs> on. So let's not talk <laughs> okay. too much about You're that. Talking, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. And um, Joe, it's, it's a fairly big cast, isn't it, that you've got? It's uh, we've got a cast of fifteen, which on the small stage there is is a lot of people. Yeah, it is indeed. Mm. And who wrote the music? 
Mel Brooks wrote. Did the he music. wrote the actual yeah. music? Which is extraordinary because uh, well, he had help, but you know, from various people. But they are his songs, mm-hmm. which is extraordinary because you know, really, it feels like uh, an homage to, as well as a parody of Broadway and Broadway musicals and the way Broadway operates. And some of these songs, you know, uh, uh, there's a couple of songs in the first act that could almost be Jerry Herman, you know, and there's a beautiful ballad in the second act, which kind of just treads the line of sentimentality, uh, uh, but is always kind of pulled back with that classic Mel Brooks cynicism, but almost the melody could almost be learner and low, you know. So it's very, it's extraordinary that this man who you think of as being kind of pure, you know, comedic genius actually has all of this other skill set that's, you know, perhaps gone undiscovered until this point until until he wrote the producers the musical you know yeah um the i'm so astonished i really didn't know that mel brooks had written the music i thought it was in collaboration as you said he did get help but basically he because you do associate him with sort of silly roles if you think of young frankenstein blazing saddles and those things he's a sort of buffoon and i mean that very positively Mm, absolutely um but a very very clever man you know and 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 uh, as well as the the melodies being beautiful i mean it's a classic broadway score actually the score is 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 very full and there isn't a bad melody in there is it a uh, full sort of orchestra as well full sort of sound yes or, or, yeah i mean we don't have a live no, we don't course. have live music but yes it is a very full sound yeah okay. uh, and beautifully orchestrated actually yeah is it the first time you've worked on the producers it is yeah Gosh. it's the first time i've worked on the producers so when you were told as you said earlier you knew about uh, mel brooks when you were told that you wanted to, you were going to direct it did you think oh dear well or were you quite excited about it? I was very excited about the prospect of coming back to Cape Town. Uh, I was, I suppose, slightly daunted by the prospect of directing the producers, as I say, simply because I don't think it's a piece that you can... Mess with. Mess with. Mm-hmm. And and uh, as a director, as I say, I'm always looking for ways to tell stories in, in new ways. Um, but actually there's a joy and a freedom to to having the parameters and working within them, you know. Interesting that you say a joy and a freedom, Mm. whereas you'd think the parameters would be uh, restrictive. But I I think I know what you mean by freedom. You're working with a tried and tested formula. Yeah. And and you might just be adding your own little touch here and there. Exactly that. And I think limitations actually can be very freeing creatively, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, The moment that you are given entire freedom is the moment you start to... uh, uh, kind of fluster and, yes. and and can't find a way forward mm-hmm. whereas actually you're absolutely right there was invention required in the 14 sorry 15 people is a far smaller cast than is normally used for this it's on a far smaller stage so there are restrictions there that we have to work within and so uh, it's not that we haven't had to be inventive in any way it's just that the source material uh, is so strong that we don't want to mess with that element of it mm-hmm. you know interestingly recently i don't know if you know we had the rocky horror show yes here, i saw it yeah with chris laskin yes directing who i know and, very well oh, okay yeah. he said in this very studio that richard o'brien actually wanted the show to come back to what it was that it had become too free it had become almost a different product yes they didn't want so much audience participation they wanted to bring it back to what he intended mm. and chris laskin said what a what a challenge that was but also implying there was a freedom about bringing it back, as you said, a sort of creative freedom and strangely satisfying. Mm. 
And it worked, didn't it? It did. It was wonderful, yeah. <laughs> Let's have another piece of music, okay. Mr. Pitcher. The second piece of music that I've chosen is Quiet from Matilda. Uh, and uh, I've spoken a, a bit about my association with Matilda the musical. Uh, I'm, I am associate director and I'm very proud to be associate director on the show. And this particular song, I think is very poignant in in terms of the overall story arc and and getting inside of this little girl's head um and there's a particular lyric that i love which is uh, i wonder if inside my head i'm not just a bit different from some of my friends because i just think we all feel a bit different at times in our life you know and i think there's there's a, a lot of resonance in that lyric There's no way of knowing if red means the same thing in your head As red means in my head when someone says red And how if we are travelling at almost the speed of light And we're holding a light, that light would still travel away from us At the full speed of light, which seems right in a way But I'm trying to say, I'm not sure, but I wonder if inside my head I'm not just a bit different from some of my friends These answers that come into my mind unbidden These stories delivered to me fully written And when everyone shouts like they seem to like shouting The noise in my head is incredibly loud And I just wish they'd stop my dad and my mum And the telly and stories would stop for just once And I'm sorry I'm not quite explaining it right But this noise becomes anger and the anger is light And it's burning inside me would you jolly face today and the heat and the shouting and my heart is pounding and my eyes are burning and suddenly everything everything is quiet like silence but not really silent Just that still, sort of quiet Like the sound of a page being turned in a book Or a pause in a walk in the woods Quiet Like silence but not really silent Just that nice kind of quiet Like the sound when you lie upside down in your bed Just the sound of your heart in your head people around me their mouths are still moving the words they are forming cannot reach me anymore and it is quiet and I am warm
song there from the musical Matilda, which you may remember from the memorable production here in Cape Town, Quiet. And it was another choice of my guest on People of Note on this week's program. His name is Joe Pitcher, the director of The Producers, which has just opened at Peter Turin's Theatre on the Bay. And the program is brought to you by Peter Turin Productions. Joe, I want to find out a bit more about you. In my introduction, I said that you began as an actor and then changed. And it's interesting, a few people have done that, and I always wonder what the attraction is because you sort of think, naively, that being out there on the stage, you're the one that gets all the kudos and the applause and the interviews and all the rest of it. Mm. So there must be a tremendous draw to the world of directing for you people. Yes, and actually when I eventually... I mean, I'd always dabbled in directing alongside acting, uh, you know, at drama schools and, and things... But when I finally made the choice to kind of go over to directing full time, it was there was a sort of sense of relief and a bit of a feeling of why haven't I been doing this all along, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, I loved I loved performing and I loved acting, but the lifestyle and the uncertainty, which doesn't go away as a director, I have to say. But I think the difference is that when you're a director, there are moments of being in control, <laughs> which you don't get so much as an actor, as an you know. Um, and, and there was always a sense for me of uh, a square peg in a round hole with performing. Although I loved it and I had some amazing experiences, there was always just that feeling that it wasn't quite the right path for me. And so when I eventually went over to directing, I, I sort of had that... Ah, oh, this is this is right. This oh, is really? this is the uh, this okay. is what I should be doing. And where did it all come from? Tell me a little bit about your your parents or your upbringing. I mean, where did the bug, the theatre bug? Well, bite? I mean, you know, I I come from a small town in the north of of England, and neither of my parents had any background in theatre, uh, but they're both very artistic. I mean, they both trained um, at, at an art school, St Martin's in in London. My dad's a graphic designer, and my mum is now a full-time textile artist um, so there was definitely creativity in my upbringing but uh, not necessarily uh, anything to do with theatre although I very early on when I was about nine uh, joined a, a local youth theatre and uh, I used to kind of live for it was Tuesday nights and Saturdays I remember vividly and those were the, the days that I lived for during the week you know <laughs> I, it, I really did get the bug and and uh, and found a kind of passion and love for theatre at that youth theatre, which at one point was the biggest youth theatre in the UK, which is extraordinary for a small town in, in the north of England. What know? is the name of the small town in the north of England? Uh, Grimsby. Grimsby. Grimsby, yes, which okay. was once a very famous fishing port. Um, not not so much anymore, but yeah, it's... Uh, it's a nice little town, but it's not, you know, there's not much going on there. <laughs> it's a nice name, Grimsby. Yeah. Funny. It's a bit Dickensian, I think. It is a bit Dickensian. Um, and then you went on to train as an actor. So after you left school, you went, you decided this is Yeah, it. well, actually, I mean, I, I originally moved to London and started a law degree. So I started a law degree at UCL uh, and realised pretty quickly that that wasn't going to be uh, my path in life. And I actually only completed the full term so that I could be in the Drama Society's production of Hair, uh, 
Uh, that was the only reason I stayed. I stopped going to lectures after about a month. Um, <laughs> oh, really? As quickly as that? Yeah. Uh, and then I went to uh, drama school and, and originally studied musical theatre and then spent about five or six years in the ensemble of Big West End and, and touring musicals before I then retrained at Bristol Old Vic and went down uh, a more straight theatre route and did a lot of, of plays for a few years before eventually, you know, uh, becoming a director. Are you what they call a triple threat? Can you sing, dance and act? Uh, to a point. I mean, probably not so much anymore. I can barely touch my toes anymore. But, uh, you know, at one point, absolutely. I was I was uh, very much at the beginning of my career, particularly dance orientated, you know. And the association with the RCS? Uh, with the RSC, yeah. The RSC. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, uh, the main association is in my capacity as director on Matilda, but I did work at the RSC as an actor as well. In fact, the last job I ever did as, a, as an actor was at the RSC, uh, and it was a really happy time, um, and it kind of led quite fluidly to me getting the job at Matilda. When you were at the Royal Shakespeare Company, did you do Shakespeare as well? Yes, yes, I did. I did The Winter's Tale was the final uh, play that I did, um, and a, a, a fantastic production which started in Stratford and went on tour and um, wonderful cast. It was a great experience. What a life, what a life. And you're still such a young man. <laughs> Very kind. Um, OK, your third choice, Joe. OK. So now, this... I'm a bit worried about this. Look at your list. <laughs> <laughs> Shall I leave the room? Yeah, well, I mean, I'll try not to go on too long about the story behind this, but basically <laughs> when this album, the, the, so the, the third choice is Telephone by Lady Gaga featuring Beyonce, and the album uh, from which this track comes was kind of the soundtrack to my life in the year that the album came out, and it was quite a big year for me. It was the year that the board game that I invented with my, my oh, friend, yes. we finally manufactured and, and released that. We're going to talk about that which, later. Oh, great, yes, and yes. Uh, I, uh, I ran the London Marathon that year, and this was the soundtrack to my training. But mainly, that year I was on tour playing Will Parker in the National Tour of Oklahoma in the UK, and the company decided at the beginning of the tour that by the end of the tour we would have recreated the entire music video for Telephone by Lady Gaga uh, and the video, I don't, you probably, I don't know whether you know it, but it's a, a kind of 10 minute short film. So in every venue of, 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 of the tour we would film another snippet from the video and recreate very faithfully the original video and at some point during the film each and every company member played either Lady Gaga or Beyonce. I played Beyonce. Um, and uh, the, the great thing for me about having that video is that I'm terrible at keeping kind of souvenirs from shows. I'm, I don't take photos. I barely keep programs from the shows I've been in. So I don't have a, a great kind of stack of memorabilia. But what's great is what, about once a year I can sit back and watch this video and remember <laughs> the people I was with. Rem because we filmed it all in the different venues, remember the places we were and the experiences we shared. Hello, hello, baby, you called, I can't hear a thing. I have got no service in the club, you say, say. What, what, what did you say? Oh, you're breaking up on me. Sorry, I cannot hear you, I'm kind of busy.
getting tired of my phone, baby. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I live in Grand Central Station. Hey, I'm not taking no calls cause I'll be dead. Well, I don't know, Joe. Um, <laughs> that's Joe Pitcher's fault for bringing Lady Gaga and Beyonce on to Fine Music Radio with that song, Telephone. But a lovely story you told before that about the nostalgic value of that. We, as I've said to guests before, we break our rules on Fine Music Radio on this program. Fine Music Radio and People of Notice brought to you by Peter Turin Productions and the producers Peter Turin Production is on at the Theatre on the Bay. And my guest this week is the director, all the way from London, Joe Pitcher. One of the things I wanted to ask you was this transition from being an actor to a director. Can you remember the first sort of big show you actually directed and were all sort of biting your nails and nervous? Uh, well, yes, I can. I mean, actually, the first the first show that uh, I was uh, working on professionally as a director was Matilda but my first the first show I created myself was actually High Society at the at the Mill at Sonning um, which is a, a small theatre in the UK um, a, a regional theatre that had mainly produced plays up until that point it had done lots of farces murder mysteries sort of standard regional fare and Sally Hughes who was the uh, who is the artistic director um, uh, asked me I, I'd been in a, a couple of plays at Sonning when I was an actor um, and she asked me if I'd be interested in trying a musical there because they'd never done a musical and um, but she needed something specifically for the audience that appealed to that, that, that audience that demographic um, and something that could work on a smaller scale so we racked our brains and uh, and eventually landed on high society uh, mainly because it takes place over one night in one locale so you don't need you know huge set changes um, and it does have a limited cast of characters uh, there have been versions of it that have been much larger scale but we it, it pared down very naturally and very beautifully um, it's interesting. I wouldn't have thought High Society could be a musical. You, one remembers the film. Yes. I know lots of films and musicals inter, 
relate. But high society, I can't imagine that on stage. Well, it was, it, and it, it's one of those occasions where the film came first, and mm. then it was adapted into a Broadway musical. I think in the kind of mid nineties was the original Broadway adaptation, uh, and uh, it, it works really well on stage because it's, um, you know, it's it's got a strong book. Um, I mean, it's frothy. It's frothy. It's it's it, it's not saying a lot as a piece, mm -hmm. but it's fun. It's funny, um, and the songs are beautiful. Those Cole Porter melodies, you know, you can't beat those songs. But you said while we were listening to the other piece of music and talking mm. about high society, you said it was like, I think you used the phrase jukebox. Yes, Did because, you? well, I mean, you know, most of the songs in high society weren't written specifically for high society. I'm talking about the stage adaptation. Uh, of course, it took the songs from the movie, but it also added a whole load of other Cole Porter songs from, from the back catalogue and kind of fitted them in within the story. So some of the segues to songs aren't particularly <laughs> natural, um, but, you know, you, you forgive all of that when you when you hear those melodies, of course, of you know. Course. And was it a success, may I ask, well, your directorial it, debut? It was, a, it was a huge success, and, and I'm very grateful to Sally for the opportunity because from there we sort of set up this every year since then. Uh, I've directed the musical at Sonning at Christmas, and we've got slightly more ambitious every every time. The following year we did My Fair Lady, which still remains kind of my favourite directorial experience really and and actually again pairs down and strips back very beautifully because mm -hmm. the book is so strong yes mm -hmm. yes it's my favorite musical just oh it's wonderful it's wonderful gosh it's a it's a masterpiece i always yeah. think i just feel sorry for the actor playing henry higgins trying not to be rex harrison on in every production well yeah and and the, that is the temptation but i think actually avoiding that temptation is always a wise thing for that yes, actor i think you know actually going down a different route with that with that role is is the way to go I'm about to ask you about your board game, your best-selling <laughs> board game called uh, Game of Fame. But first of all, I think we're going to have a song now from the producers on Twee. Yes, we are. And what are we going to hear? We're going to hear Springtime for Hitler. And the reason I've chosen this is because it's the only song that appeared in the original 1967 musical. And I think it kind of demonstrates the point that I was making earlier about how brilliant and adept uh, Mel Brooks is at satirizing something to strip away its its power and its uh, sense of threat is this a broadway cast we're going to hear now this is the broadway cast recording yeah Springtime for Hitler 
And that is why they call me Rolf. Don't be stupid, be a smarty. Come and join the Nazi party. There is a song from the show itself, the producer, Springtime for Hitler. We heard the Broadway cast there. And um, that show, the producers, has just opened at the Theatre on the Bay. And my guest on People of Note this week is the director visiting us from England, Joe Pitcher. And just before the music tour, I mentioned, or you mentioned, the Game of Fame, which has reached the top Amazon.co.uk's best-selling board game list for the past three Christmases. That's right, yeah. What's this all about? Well, uh, it's Game 4 fame, actually. But uh, myself and a friend were, years ago, 2007, I think it was, were in a play, a tour of a play together. And when you're on tour in a play, you you work at night and you have your days free. And you find yourself in these cities. And once you've kind of done the tourist, you know, you've done the sites, you think, well, what can we do with our days? What, how can we make constructive use of our days? And we decided, we both were fans of board games, so we said, let's, let's invent a board game. So we spent our days <laughs> developing this board game, um, which is very kind of the theme of the board game is, is about kind of making it in show business. And it's, it's very silly, kind of um, fun party board game, really. And I don't think either of us believed at the time that we'd actually ever go through and get the thing made. But we did. A few years later, we actually ended up getting it manufactured, putting it on sale, and uh, it was disastrous for the first couple of years. I mean, we we couldn't sell a single copy. I mean, it was really hard work. Um, and then we decided, okay, if we're gonna we're either gonna shift all of the kind of stock that we've got and then call it a day, or we're gonna try and you know make a go of this. And we. We did a lot of research and work into how Amazon worked and, and selling online. And we found out how we could actually promote it and sell it. And we did. We started we started selling it. And eventually we were in kind of lots of big stores in the UK. And uh, and yeah, and it's become a bit of a success story. It's been, yeah, surprisingly to, <laughs> yes. to both of us. And so different, really, in a sense, from what you do. Although, yes. as you say, it's to do with theatre. 
Am I right in saying, is it a board game literally, or is it something to do with a computer? No, it's a board game. It's literally a, a board game. Like yeah. the old draft and exactly. Monopoly and exactly. all that. Yeah. Would we be able to find it in this country, do you think? I'm not sure you would, actually, because it's available on Amazon and, and online. I mean, you could order it from the UK and get it sent here, but I'm not sure at what cost. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. And has it been fun? Uh, is it something that you enjoy? Do you have to keep... Updating it, or is it yes, just running its own? Yes, we have done some updates um, and you know redesigns over the years, and uh, yeah, it's great fun, and, and it's also taught me a lot about an area that I knew absolutely nothing about, which is business, you know, and uh, and it's kind of unleashed a, an inner entrepreneur within me, to be oh, honest. Really? Yeah. Oh gosh, you mentioned these days that you have so much time on your hands. <laughs> Not anymore. <What>? But yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, what do you do? How do you relax? It's because you work very intensely. Mm. I know that directing plays is a very intense business. There, I mean, there were weeks and weeks of rehearsals here at mm-hmm. Artscape, in fact, for right. the producers at mm-hmm. Theatre on the Bay. So it's intense work. How it do you is. unwind? Do you listen to music? Do you uh, cook? Yes, do you go I, running? I do go running. I uh, yeah, I, I I like I enjoy exercise. So I, I go I go running and go to the gym. I enjoy films. I like going to the cinema. Um, I read a lot, uh, you know, novels mainly and uh, occasional biography, that kind of thing. I, en- I, I very much enjoy that. I mean, I, I have to say I'm not great at the balance of <laughs> work relaxation. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm working on it, but I'm a bit of a workaholic and I'd, I'd, I'd like to get the balance uh, right in the next few years <laughs> if I could. <laughs> you did say that when you finish now with the producers, when, you've, when the curtain goes up on the opening night, the yes. official opening night, you can sort of relax. And you're going to Lanzarote, one of our beautiful wine farms. That's right. Just that for a couple of nights, yeah. Literally to unwind. Just to unwind and to, to, to relax before I go back to the UK to start work again on Monday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, listen, Joe, it's been fascinating talking to you and to see your incredible enthusiasm for the show. And I'm sure our listeners are going to love it by the sounds of things. And we have a jolly good laugh, don't we? Absolutely. I think you're guaranteed to laugh. I mean, obviously, Alan Committee is very well known for his comedic skills. And uh, in this particular role, he's hilarious, as as are the rest of the cast, I have to say. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> is cast. it fun doing a comedy uh, in those early rehearsals where everyone is wandering around <laughs> Very much so. And, and also, you know, what was wonderful about this particular cast, uh, they were bringing ideas to the table constantly. So there was a, a real back and forth in, dis- in finding and honing that comedy because it is it requires uh, quite a lot of precision. But what's great is creating that kind of playground to begin with and then stripping it back and saying, that doesn't work, let's keep that, edit that, you know, it, it, that that was a great experience. And are, you, fun. are you a nice director or are you ruthless? And I like to think <laughs> I'm nice. I, I, I know that when I was an actor, I responded far more to... Uh, nurture than I did um, a kind of fear-based atmosphere and, and I've worked very much in both environments you know right. some directors uh, do, do work through a kind of uh, fear um, but that never made that never brought out the best in me and so I try my very best to create an, a safe environment for the actors where there's a, an atmosphere of trust and that they feel they're able to you know make mistakes without being hmm. shouted at or berated right yeah. Joe, your last piece of music before I let you go. Uh, The last piece of music I've chosen is Scenes from an Italian Restaurant by Billy Joel. And uh, the reason I chose this song really is I'm a huge Billy Joel fan. I think he, I saw him in concert a few years ago and it really was the best kind of pop concert I've ever seen. He's a consummate entertainer, but I think more so 
than that he's a storyteller and and uh this song in particular is sort of three stories in one and i just think it speaks beautifully about relationships and the evolution of of personal relationships oh there you are if interest you saw your pieces very beautifully joe for us thank you joe fitcher thank you he's the director of the producers which is on at peter Trin's theater on the bay so do go along and have a look and as we listen to billy joel uh, joe thanks for coming by and um Pleasure. come again thank come you. again thank you very much thank you for having me Never knew we could 
want more than that out of life Surely Bender and Eddie would always know how to survive People of Note on Fine Music Radio was proudly brought to you by Peter Turin Productions. Peter Turin presents Mel Brooks's hilarious musical comedy, The Producers, a record-breaking winner of 12 Tony Awards, starring Alan Committee, Terence Bridget, Earl Gregory, and a full knockout South African cast. Enjoy such comedy hits as I Want to Be a Producer, When You Got It, Flaunt It, Springtime for Hitler, and many more. Don't miss The Producers, on now until the 28th of March, only at Theatre on the Bay. For a comic start to your year, book now. FM.